What's up, Cinema 7 listeners? Thank you for tuning into this episode. Uh, before we get into the meat of the conversation, I want to say that I apologize to everyone, and I apologize to Alan especially. I was a little uh, unprofessional and didn't check my mic, so my mic settings on this episode were set to default, which means it's the computer mic. And um, yeah, so you hear my fan running in the background, which is very noisy. Now with my Yeti mic, you normally don't want to hear my fan because of the gain and, and the sound compression that's built into the mic. So in this episode, you will hear the fan going off during me and Alan's discussion. Um, but I hope you guys still listen to it. I tried to chop it up and, and edit it and make it so it wasn't that bad of a sound. Um, again, I apologize to everyone, especially you, Alan. I, I am completely sorry. The Big Al, please don't please don't uh, give me an RKO or, uh, or a body slam or anything like that. Um, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. But if you guys can stay tuned and listen to the whole conversation... I would greatly appreciate it. And with that, I thank you, and let's get to the episode. Shush. To listen. Friendship. Entertainment. Welcome back to Cinema 7. I'm your host, Mario B. Got a really cool episode for you today. I am actually interviewing someone who has their own podcast on YouTube and and does Facebook Live with it. And uh, his name is Alan W. Amy. He's also known as the Big Alboski. He's part of the 2M1L Media on YouTube. Um, he co-hosts Around the Turnbuckle, and sometime he co-hosts uh, another show called Home Team Sports. He's a big Philly sports fan, but the most important thing is he's a big wrestling fan. And if you know me, I'm a big wrestling fan as well. I also did uh, wrestle in the independents for about five years here and there. I had a few, uh, maybe a handful or so matches, and... Um, he uh, actually recently interviewed my dad, and um, he agreed to come on the podcast, talk about his show, and what his show is about. I've been listening to some of his episodes, so I appreciate if you guys welcome Alan to the show. We'll be talking about wrestling and and uh, you know all the things they do over there at Two M One L Media, and you know his passion behind wrestling and how he got into doing around the turnbuckle and and. He'll also let us know about how you can you can check it out, and and um, that's probably going to be the first thing I ask him here in a second. But first, uh, Alan, I wanted to ask you. Um, yeah. Tell me a little bit about Two M One L Media and how that came to be. Well, Two M One L Media was it stands for Two Men One Lady, and the men and lady involved are myself, my brother TJ. And this lady named Chrissy Cyphers, who has, who used to host her own show. And the three of us got together and figured if we were, we each have our own podcast, and each podcast was about different things. Mine was about wrestling. DJ's was about lo- uh, giving local artists a platform, um, whether it be hip hop or or anything, uh, music, any kind of music, whatever. And Chrissy's was more about being informative and educational and having on doctors and authors and people who could teach you something, you know? Mm -hmm. So we each had different ideas. And so we figured if we were supporting each other um, and, you know, we could help each other out, help each other build our audiences. Little did I know what would happen that Around the Turnbuckle would become what it became because what Around the Turnbuckle originally was was just a bunch of guys sitting around talking about wrestling. Mm-hmm. And when I mean talking about wrestling, I don't even mean talking about the indies. I mean talking about WWE and whatever else is going on. So 
what it morphed into is an, is amazing and a blessing. What it has morphed into is a place for independent wrestlers to come on and tell their stories, whether they are six months in or have you know been retired for a while now. It, it doesn't matter. What matters is different kinds of stories you get. Because the guy who's six months in, he's got stories of how he started, how he, you know, he's had his passion. He's always wanted to do this, how he's met people and how he, you know, who, what, who did he call? How did he start training? That's the kind of stuff that if anybody's interested in being in this business, they would like to hear. Guys like Mongoose, who I had on a couple weeks ago, um, your father, mm-hmm. he could tell stories that will educate guys on what to do and what not to do. And I've had a lot of guys like that on veterans, guys who have been doing it for 20, 30 years uh, that have lots of do's and don'ts. And so a lot of wrestlers tune in to, to get that advice because um, sometimes picking guys brains, sometimes, sometimes you're afraid or, or maybe a little shy to go in the back and talk to somebody or, and, uh, but I, I tell you, the more and more I do this, the more I, I've learned that that's what you should do. If you're in the locker room and, and you're a wrestler and you have the chance to pick somebody's brain who's been doing it 10 years, 20 years, you do it no matter who that person is. Because each and every bit of advice you take is going to make just make you better at what you're doing. And so I love what Around the Turnbuckle has become. Around the Turnbuckle is me and my, my uh, partner in crime, Professor Keith, just interviewing independent wrestlers and once in a while we get lucky enough to uh welcome in a legend which is cool and i i think that's awesome because you know there's a lot of guys on the indies and uh you know that don't really get their voices heard or don't have the strong social media presence that a lot of uh popular indie guys have and you know for you to help get their voice out there and to let them tell their story and, and, you know, maybe what they're about and, and some of their, um, passion about the business. It, it, it's awesome. And especially right now when the business is booming because of AEW and now that Tony Khan owns ring of honor, you know, ring of honor is going to be, uh, you know, probably looking to fill the roster and, um, you know, uh, CZW's back doing shows and, and, uh, GCW's really popular right now. And I don't know what GCW's roster's like, but you know, they, they do all kinds of different shows, uh, you know, with, with Effie's, uh, big gay brunch. And, and, um, I think they still do Joey Janela's, uh, spring break and, uh, Josh Barnett's blood sport. You know, there's a lot of stuff out there and, and new Japan's doing stuff over here now. And, um, they might be looking to make that roster a little bit bigger for the American audience. So, you know, and, and especially in the area that you're doing it in, you know, there's, uh, New Jersey and, uh, there's Pennsylvania, especially the Lehigh Valley area. That's been a hotbed for the indie wrestling for almost, uh, more than 30 years. So, uh, and we'll talk about it later with Trip UWA, but I think you guys are doing, uh, a, a fantastic thing. Uh, with around the turnbuckle, and it's it's really honestly helping the business as a whole blossom by telling these stories of these guys that nobody really or gets to hear. Uh, there's the uh, guy you have from Tennessee or the Carolinas that comes on. Um, that's you know he's he's been a veteran or he's been doing it for a while, and and uh, especially the episode with my dad, I, I, he he uh, you know. He seems to be very passionate and wants to hear a bunch of different stories as well, you know, about uh, veteran guys or, or, or just looking, you know, probably to see where, you know, he could probably wrestle. Exactly. And the guy you're speaking of is, uh, the guy's name is Thundercat Greg Winters. And um, that guy, he wrestles, he lives in Alabama and he wrestles in Tennessee for the Tennessee Wrestling Alliance, TWA it's called. And they, I would have never met him or half the people I've met doing this show. We're about to celebrate our second anniversary, two years. And in two years' time, we've interviewed everything from 
WWE Hall of Famers. Like we we just recently did a, a a female wrestler who hasn't even had her first match yet. So I mean, like we all we're trying to do is put you know build our platform, have more eyes watching, not mm-hmm. for our benefit, but for the people who come on's benefit, so that they can have you know maybe somebody see them on there and get booked. And if they get booked somewhere where they never would have got booked before, that's the biggest thrill for us. And that's happened. That's happened many times. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest thrill for us. Now, there's extremes to that. I mean, if they get seen by the right person and they get a WWE or an AEW tryout, well, that's even a bigger thrill. Oh, because, yeah. And that, that's happened as well. <laughs> so it's just, it's kind of cool how this is, this has become. And I, I love it. I would not doing anything else because I love this business and for me to be a part of it in any way or to help give back to the business that has entertained me for over 40 years is the ultimate spell for me and I don't get a dime I don't I don't ask for anything I don't get a dime or anything I, I don't I just give them the platform and they use it the best they the best they can and I gotta applaud you and and what your co-hosts are doing uh, because what you guys are doing is super awesome and, and is helpful. And I know on the show they call you the Big Alboski. Can you go in the further how you got the nickname the Big Alboski? Yeah, I'm a movie nut, right? Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite movies is The Big Lebowski. So it's kind of a play on that, and all my friends call me Big Al. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they have since I was a kid. I mean, I was always I was always a big kid, but. Uh, um, I was just always Big Al from elementary school on up, and uh, it it just stuck over the years. And when we were starting the podcast, I didn't want to go by my real name. I thought it would be cool if we had kind of gimmick names, and um, you know, because in wrestling that's what you do. And uh, my my partner Keith, his his name is is Keith Wildman, um. He came up with Professor Keith just because he is an encyclopedia of wrestling knowledge. He's read every book. Uh, he knows the history. Uh, believe me, if I ask him who beat who on you know a certain ECW pay-per-view, he would know. He might even know the finish, or he might even know close to how long the match was. That's how good he is. He, that, that's why I have him. He's endless information mm-hmm. and you know and i love him for i was that. just about to ask you if you were a big val venus fan <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah I, I was a fan of his i was but uh um that's where i that's kind of where that came from the the a combination of big al and the big lebowski so the big alboski so are you the jerry lawler and he's more the jim ross that is exactly right um However, on Around the Turnbuckle, we're really, we really don't, you know, use those personas per se. Like, we're usually ourselves, and we're just, you know, we, we ask questions and we just let them talk for the most part um, because we want them to get as much of Because we, we usually have them on for about an hour, and so we don't want to take up any more of their time than we have to. We'll ask them a few questions, but a lot of times, since we live stream, we might get two or three questions in anymore and the fans ask questions and they just keep the conversation going. Next thing you know, it's the hour goes by. Um, it goes by quickly. So, um, but we just got, uh, I guess you can call it booked to, uh, be the commentators of a local wrestling show for called three WA carnage which is available on their website, which is, I mean, on their YouTube channel, which is 3WA Wrestling. And that um, airs, they drop it every Friday at 6 o'clock. And that is where I, yes, I am the heel. I'm the Jerry the King Lawler type commentator, color commentator. And the professor is the play-by-play guy, the Jim Ross. That's kind of cool. Yeah, you're the color. Um, yeah. He's play by play. Yeah, and yeah, and that is that's a dream come true for me, Mario. Because I, 
I've always wanted to do that since I was a little kid. I, I always wanted to do it, and I never knew how. It's just funny that this around the turnbuckle thing is the reason why I met Dino Santa. It's the reason why I got involved with local wrestling, and it's the reason why I have this opportunity to call actual real professional wrestling. You know, in a way, I, I kind of do know how you feel because it, it is my dream since I was a little kid to be a wrestler, but at the same time, I can only imagine how you feel getting to do that and, and calling stuff and also talking to all these legends that you do. Um, I was going to ask you how Around the Turnbuckle got started, but, you know, since we kind of know your backstory now that you're a wrestling fan, you know, we know that's how Around the Turnbuckle got started. So I should ask you, when did you start watching wrestling and when did you get into it? My grandmother, God rest her soul, um, was a huge fan. And she passed away in 1990. But um, when I was a kid, it was a secret thing we used to do because my parents didn't want me watching it. Right? Mm-hmm. They thought it was too violent. Um, they didn't want me watching guys get hit with chairs or anything. So, because they didn't want me turning around. I'm the oldest of three brothers, so they didn't want me doing the moves to yeah. my brothers. <laughs> which, by the way, was inevitable. That happened anyway. Right? Yeah. So. Right around, I'd say right around when I was five years old, as as far back as I can remember her letting me watch it by, she'd let me stay over her house on Friday nights after school. And then Saturday mornings, you had Saturday morning cartoons. And then right around 10 or 11, you'd have Superstars of Wrestling or WWF Wrestling Challenge. And so that's how I first started getting into it. And then I realized that WWF wasn't the only wrestling out there. So I was seeing it on other channels back then. It was, you know, still territorial, but they, you know, Vince McMahon was kind of swooping everything up and making WWF a big thing. And that's right around when Paul Kogan started to, you know, emerge. But I mean, when I was five, it was all over. It was on, um, it was on the thing called Prism. It was on like the USA Network. It was on like different channels. Mm-hmm. And then I really didn't get into it until I was and, until I was starting to get taken to actual matches. Mm-hmm. And the, the first one I can remember, I was probably seven or eight years old, and I was taken to the Ag Hall in Allentown, PA, and. Um, you know, they were taping superstars of wrestling there, and they did that a lot. I found out later in life that they did that a lot. But whenever they came into town, my stepfather would get us tickets and we'd go, and we'd be there for hours because because they were taped like three or four episodes and used the same crowd for the, you know, they just yeah. wanted a crowd there to react. And so they would tape three or four episodes, but they would promise us a main event at the end just for us. It wasn't on TV, it was just the main event. I fell in love with professional wrestling the day that Rowdy Roddy Piper hit Jimmy Snuka in the head with a coconut. And the reason why is I was in the building. I was in the building when that happened. I was eight years old. I was in the building. It was 1984. See, that's crazy because, uh, you know, that's one of the biggest highlights WWE shows or that's one of the most talked about moments in WWE history or WWF or whatever. You know, you want to say, but that's a big wrestling moment and, you know, solidified Roddy Piper as a heel and people thought that happened. So for you to say that you were there and you saw that happen live, like that's, that's pretty cool. That's, that's really awesome. It's the reason why not only I love professional wrestling, but it's also the reason why I always root for the heels. I always root for the heels in, in movies. I always root for the bad guy in TV shows. I always root for the heels in wrestling, especially. And right then and there, I was a huge fan of Roddy Roddy Piper. And then later on, there was a guy that came around called the Macho Man, Randy Savage. He's my all-time favorite. Uh, I mean, you can't go wrong with having two favorites like Macho Man, Randy Savage, and Roddy Roddy Piper. Because, I mean, they're two of the best at the craft. And, and they knew psychology. And they could both talk. And uh, they knew the crowd. Um, it's, I mean, what was that moment, uh, the 2008 Royal Rumble when I think Snuka came out first and then 
Roddy Piper came out a couple spots later, I think. Yeah. Huge pop. Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, moments like that over time, you just can't buy, you know? Um, mm-hmm. I've kind of drifted away from WWE. I don't watch it every single week anymore, but there are certain pay-per-views I just can't miss, and the Royal Rumble is one of them. Because you just never know what might happen on the Royal Rumble. And then, of course, WrestleMania. Yeah. And then, you know, after I was there and I saw Snuka hit, got hit with the coconut and all that stuff, um, pretty soon WrestleMania 3 was coming around. And because WrestleManias 1 and 2 were available on close circuit. And I so I never saw WrestleManias 1 and 2 uh, until later on. I saw it on uh, actual, like, VHS tapes. Uh-huh. Um, but WrestleMania three was the first WWE pay-per-view that you could buy at home. And WrestleMania has always been around my birthday. My birthday is March the 30th. And so it's always near that. It's always either at the end of March or at the beginning of April. And so my, my grandmother bought WrestleMania three, you know, bought the pay-per-view for us to have a birthday party for me. And my whole family was there, and and I remember that night like it was yesterday because my entire family was there, whether they liked wrestling or not. And they all can, they could, they all cannot deny this. When Hulk Hogan slammed Andre the Giant, they went berserk. And then when he when he got the three count at the end, everybody in the room, there's 20 people in the room, all counted one, two, three together. And that's one of the biggest moments in WWE history yet again. uh, I mean, you got to see it as your first pay-per-view, and um, that's such a unique pay-per-view to be your first pay-per-view. Well, I guess I shouldn't say unique because WrestleMania 3 was one of the biggest, you know, pay-per-views for uh, wrestling and pop culture in general, but it, it it, that's just such a cool thing to see, you know, for your first big event. Uh, I, I kind of admire that. And I'm I'm a little jealous. I'm a little jealous. I'm not going to lie. I mean, obviously, I watched WrestleMania 3 afterwards on DVD, VHS. Uh, it, it was available to me to see after the fact because I wasn't born yet. But, man, I don't even remember what my first pay-per-view was. I mean, I, I think it was Undertaker versus Undertaker at SummerSlam. I remember that one, yeah. Or it could have been Undertaker, or it could have been Undertaker versus Yokozuna in the casket match. I don't remember what pay-per-view that was, uh, but I, man, I was like five, six. That's a That was a Royal Rumble, I believe. That was Royal Rumble 94. And uh, there was a match I used to watch all the time, too, as a kid. Uh, I didn't see the pay-per-view. Until many years later, you know, thanks to WWE Network and Peacock and stuff. But uh, it was Bret Hart versus Owen Hart in a steel cage match at SummerSlam. Because I had this VHS, it was called Off the Top Rope. And uh, that was one of the matches on there. And I used to watch that match all the time. Like, all the time. I just, I just don't remember what was my first pay-per-view. I do remember we almost saw a SummerSlam when I was a kid. We were going to it live, but then, uh, you know, um, there was some sort of blizzard or snowstorm, and it might have been in Philly or somewhere in Pennsylvania, because it had to be close, but uh, we never made it. We had to turn around, and we didn't get to go to that SummerSlam. I remember that. I just don't remember what SummerSlam it was. Maybe my dad would know what SummerSlam that was, but obviously later on, because my dad became a wrestler, I got to see a lot of uh, live indie wrestling, so. I can't. I guess I can't be too mad. But I mean, around the time that I grew up watching wrestling, you know, it was Razor Ramon, Yokozuna, Doink the Clown, Macho Man was there for a little bit, and I, I did gravitate towards Macho Man, and uh, you know his style of wrestling and his voice and stuff like that. But you know, uh, probably one of my favorite matches from the time frame you were watching wrestling growing up uh, is Macho Man versus Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania Five. It's like one of my all-time favorite matches at WrestleMania. And honestly, it's a very slept-on match. It's under right. Same, with- and that's because the beauty of the Macho Man—not to cut you off—but the yeah, the beauty of the Macho Man was that he could wrestle anybody. Like he he could wrestle a. A wet towel in the ring and make it entertaining. <laughs> I think you're. I think you're right. <laughs> and 
And you know uh, I mean, not, and, I, and I'm not. That's not a. That's not a shot at Hulk Hogan. But even Hulk Hogan has said a million times that he had basically five moves. And you know the the the, the, the thing about him was just his persona, his charisma, his his work. You know, you know, keeping himself in shape, and then you know his promos were legendary, right? And mm-hmm. then. So I mean, that's what that's what had him over with the fans. But then he'd have all these opponents, and most of them were big. You start off with Andre the Giant. You had King Kong Bundy, and you had this guy and that guy. Always, it was always putting you know earthquake and monsters against him, right? Yeah. And the thing about Randy Savage is that was the first like quote unquote wrestler that Hogan had to deal with. He made Hogan look awesome talked about wrestlemania 5 the mega powers explode i remember that um of course you know of course me being the macho man fan i was uh i I was rooting for him although i knew even at that time uh and you know that's when kayfabe was still a thing yeah it's still real to me damn i'm with your i'm with your dad on that one it's still real (laughs) to me damn it yeah, um, I think another slipped on Macho Man match at WrestleMania is Macho Man versus Ric Flair at WrestleMania Eight. I think that is uh, a fantastic match and has great psychology, and I don't think enough people talk about that match. Because when you mention Macho Man Randy Savage, the first match everybody goes to is WrestleMania Three against Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, because that match had such a great story, had such a great build, you know. He, mm-hmm. He crushed his larynx and put him out for months, and now Steamboat comes back, and you know he, all he, he just wants just wants to tear the Macho Man apart, and then plus plus you talk about two of the greatest of all time. You put those two in the ring, as far as grappling goes, as far as telling a story in the ring, as far as you know counter moves and and reversals go. Yeah, uh, Ricky Ricky the Dragon Steamboat had legendary matches with Ric Flair. And so, I mean, you put him and Macho Man in the ring. I mean, it's gold. It's gold, and it—that's why it, that that match had like twenty-six two counts or something. Yeah, like it's that. like twenty-two, twenty-three two counts or false finishes. One of us is correct. <laughs> it's something like that, you know. And then, like you said, you mentioned uh, WrestleMania eight. Same thing. You put two of the greatest of all time in my book. There, you put. Macho Man Randy Savage in the ring with Ric Flair. Yeah, the storyline that he, you know, Ric Flair may or may have not have slept with Elizabeth. <laughs> you know, you add all that in there, and so Macho Man comes out, like, angry and wants to kill him, but, you know, you have all this, and then you have you throw in Mr. Perfect Kurt Henning on the outside and all this uh-huh. nonsense going on. Definitely should be talked about more than than it is, but I, I, I always liked it because it was his regaining of the world championship he he won it in that tournament in wrestlemania 4 and where he wrestled four times you know i mean just think four different outfits it's hard enough to wrestle one time he wrestled four times that night and then wins that title and then in wrestlemania 8 four years later he gets it back also too uh you know the ending to that wrestlemania 8 match is awesome i mean the pinfall the build up to the pinfall the 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 way he pins him in the end to, to get the win. Um, it's just great psychology. And I think a lot of guys should watch that and, and study that match, not only for the build up to the end, but also how to execute a great finish to a match. And, and I'm no expert. I mean, I've had a more than a handful of matches on the Indies, but I, I'm, I've never been in the business more than, Five years. I didn't travel. I didn't. Ha- I mean, I've had matches and stuff. And uh, I mean, if people want to watch them, they can go on YouTube and look up my name, and they can watch my matches. But I, I mean, I'm no expert. So you know, for me to say, "Hey, watch this, watch that," you know, I I, I only go off of what I study or what I find to be something that I want to watch and and review and and learn from. And that's one of the matches I watch and, and learn from. I mean, even the same is true to still talk about Macho Man is his stuff with DDP. I mean, DDP was still kind of green, I I would think, at that time when he wrestled Macho Man in the sense of um, the type of matches and storylines he's been in. Uh, But that's another 
match or series of matches you can watch for psychology as well. Thanks to the Macho Man. Yeah, DDP has said many times that it was an absolute thrill to work with him because he was so giving. He he knew that he was past his prime when that feud started and that DDP was, they were, you know, although DDP was already in his low 40s, that he was new in the business. So he he knew that, you know, DDP had to win that war between the two. But to get there and all the matches they had were were epic and untalked about as much as his WWF run, you know? Um, yeah. And, and unjustly, too, because they were great. Um, and if you haven't seen it already, you should watch the Broken Skull sessions of Stone Cold Steve Austin with DDP. He talks about that feud with the Macho Man. And I'll have to Lane. watch that, that later, because I was just watching uh, an old pay-per-view on Peacock. And, uh, yeah, I'll have to check that out. Yeah, and I was going to mention Peacock because you had mentioned that a lot of your watching your old matches on WWF on uh, VHS tapes and stuff. I'm like, it's kind of cool that, you know, the WWE Network, even though Peacock kind of bought it, you can just go on Peacock and watch, you know, you can watch WrestleMania 5. You can watch WrestleMania 8, like right now, you know, um, that, that's kind of cool. So one of the things I want to ask you is, is how did you get involved in the indies uh especially with triple wa because you've been working with them and and helping them out more recently one of the guys that is a it actually ties to your father one of the guys that that he helped train and helped bring into the business by the name of brick house um was friends with my brother TJ, who is my partner in the 2M1L Media thing. And I was looking to change our format. If you watch, and I, I beg you not to, but the first, two, the first two or three episodes of Around the Turnbuckle, it's just us sitting around talking about wrestling, because that's what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. You know, after we did our third show or so, I felt, I, I, I was like, guys, you know, I think we should interview wrestlers. And Keith said, well, you know, what wrestlers will we interview? I mean, you know, who are you talking about? I mean, it's not like we could just call, you know, Hulk Hogan's agent and book him. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I said, well, we should start local. We should start local. Let me talk to TJ and see if he knows any local wrestlers. I said, and the first name I thought of was Mongoose, but because that's the only wrestler I knew personally, right? Yeah. So... Rather than, but rather than reach out to him right away and you know bother him on the subject, TJ comes back with me. He says, "Well, I just got invited to a wrestling event down in Quakertown because um, you know he likes my music. Um, my my brother TJ's a, a local local hip hop artist. Really, so I'm like, all right, that's cool. What's his name? Well, his name is Brickhouse. Okay, cool. So." We went down to the 40th anniversary of 3WA. They call that, they used to call it Triple WA or WWWA. Now they call it 3WA. They rebranded. So we went down to the 40th anniversary. It was an outdoor show. And, you know. I don't mean to cut you off, uh, but real quick, I wanted to mention for the people who don't know about 3WA or AAA, uh, Triple WA, I mean. Nyla Rose, who's on AEW, wrestled there a lot. And there's a lot of guys that came through Triple WA uh, that you'd be surprised about who wrestled there locally. You wouldn't believe the list of names they've had come through there. You wouldn't believe it. Dino told me the list one day, and I didn't believe him. <laughs> um, yeah, no, seriously, we were talking, we're talking Bruno San Martino. Mm-hmm. Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Um, AJ Styles came through there at one time. Adam Cole came through there at one time. Different guys who, before they people knew who they were and were getting booked all over the country at one time or another, might have wrestled for Dino Santa. 
they've been in business for 42 years for a reason. Yeah, I mean, I remember going to the shows when my dad would wrestle on them in the early 2000s, late 90s, and, uh, you know, my dad would tell me, like, yeah, these guys have been around a long time, and they used to work with WWF guys and stuff, and I used to be like, wow, that means that they must be as old as WWF or NWA or something, and, um, I mean, Steve Carino wrestled there, and, and so many legends have come through there just to, to work the shows, and uh, I, they're, they've been around a while. And uh, Dino Senna, who runs the shows, you know, my dad absolutely loves the guy. He, uh, you know, I've only heard really good stories about him and how nice of a guy he is and, and how personable he is and um, how easy he is to work with. And, uh, you know, like I said, my dad only has nice things to say about him from working with him for so long or just showing up and, you know, seeing what he has for him. So, uh, that, that makes me respect the guy uh, uh, a whole lot. There's not enough time to say the, the amount of things I'd like to say about Dino Sander. Um, not only does he put on a good show, but he's so loyal to the people that he works with. And he will help them in any way he possibly can. And he stays in contact with everybody that has ever stepped foot in a 3WA ring. Um, and they, they're always welcome to come see him. They're always welcome to the, come to the shows. And 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 he, he he so enjoys seeing people that haven't been around in a while. I mean, he, he re- your father recently showed up to one of their shows, and he, he, he loved, he loved every minute of it. Um, I am just thrilled to have gotten to know him on a personal level. And I'm also thrilled that he has faith in me to be calling his wrestling matches, you know, on 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 his YouTube channel and his Facebook page That's uh, awesome. as a com- as a commentator. That's an amazing thing. Um, and you know, like I said, I, there's not enough I can say about Dino Santa. That back to what I was telling you about was that 40th anniversary show is the first one I've ever the first one I ever went to. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, I got to meet some of the wrestlers and stuff like that, and I kind of got hooked. So I started going to the show. They have a show the last Saturday of every month. So I started going to the shows on the regular. I started to become a regular basis there, and I got to be friends with some of the wrestlers there. And one in particular, JT Cage, is managed by a guy called the Original Hack Guy, who used to who used to be well-known as, you know, in ECW days, he was always in the, he was always in the crowd wearing the hats, wearing the loud uh, uh, Hawaiian type shirts and stuff like that. So now he's a manager at 3WA and he manages the 3WA hardcore champion, JT Cage, and the brand new uh, 3WA heavyweight champion, Tyler Sims. And so I've gotten to be, I've gotten close to those guys and they invite me down all the time that not that they have to, cause I probably would go any, anyway, mm-hmm. they reserve, they reserve a seat for me and Keith. So it's a thrill. Um, and I, I take my kids down, they have a ball. We always have a blast down there. Um, for always a great show, always fun. The last Saturday of every month down in, down in Quakertown. But then I also wanted to branch out, right? And I wanted to check out some other local stuff. So I went out towards Harrisburg and Marysville and I checked out CCW and I went to Allentown and checked out WXW and I went to New Jersey and checked out some things going on over there. And I went Mm -hmm. up north, up north towards the border and I checked out PPW and different places. I just wanted, I mean, I just wanted the other places to know that around the turnbuckle just isn't strictly you know, 3WA, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so we had on, It's that's how our guests started from the shows we were going. Not just 3WA, but those other places I mentioned. And then next thing you know, it kind of blew up because word of mouth. You know, and like, like I said earlier, I, I really love what you guys are doing and, and appreciate it. Uh, there's other shows like you called, you know, The Closed Fist is one. I think they're up in that... Uh, Northeast area as well. Um, you know, what, what you guys are doing is great. You're having uh, local guys on your show. You're, you're uh, 
you're giving them voices, especially these other companies, uh, a, a chance to be seen or to be heard um, by a lot of people because there's a lot of indie shows out there that people don't get to see. A lot of workers that people don't get to see. I mean, because of Fight TV and stuff like that, yeah, sure, it's more available and there's a lot of wrestling out there now because of those contracts, but there's still a lot of indie shows that aren't being broadcasted to certain apps or, or whatever, and you guys are helping make those wrestlers and companies be more, I guess, what the word I'm looking for is uh, more more heard, more uh, getting the, the uh, opportunity for them to be um, realized. Well, I appreciate you, Mario, for saying that, um, because I never get tired of hearing it. I don't. The wrestlers, the wrestlers, usually when we, after we're done, and like I said, I do my show live so that they can have fan interaction, they can have family interaction. You know, it really, it really gets their adrenaline flowing. It gets them excited, and that that's why I just want them to have a good time. You know, I want them to tell their story and learn something, but I also want them to have a good time. And so they come on and they just they have a ball for that hour, getting all this, getting all this praise from their fans, from their family. Uh, people comment and chiming in. Some some veteran wrestlers like Thundercat, who's usually a regular on the show, might offer some advice because he's been in the business for 17 years. Um, stuff like that. I mean, you can't buy that. And so, you know, it's an ultimate thrill for me. And like I said, we started local. We started with Pennsylvania guys and some New Jersey guys and stuff. And like you said, we just scratched the surface. But listen, we've had guys from Texas. We've had guys from Arizona, from California, from Florida, from Canada, from we had two guys. We had our first two Europeans. We had uh, uh, two guys from Switzerland. Who are a really? tag team over there in Switzerland, and they wrestle for Alex Wright, Das Wonderkin, Alex Wright from WCW days. They wrestle for him wow. at, at his at his school called the Wright Stuff, and they're actually they actually love me so much they're going to try to get me Alex Wright on my show, which would be a thrill, an absolute thrill to talk to him. Man, that's awesome! Can you? I like just it, just interviewing Alex Wright would be sweet and. You got to ask him a question just for me, or maybe I'll get on when the interview happens. But uh, I got to ask him how that DDT felt from uh, Art Anderson. And then Dino Santa wants to just make my platform bigger. Getting me uh, sometime this summer, I'm going to get to interview the living legend Larry Zabisco. Larry Zabisco, I mean that's that's even <laughs> that's even better. Uh, but who's? I guess I could ask you who's the the biggest name you've had on the show currently. So far, the biggest name we've ever had was Stevie Ray from Harlem Heat. Um, and oh, that's awesome. That, that took place last December, not this past. Um, not, not December of 2001. It was December of 2020. If you watch that one back and you can find it on my YouTube channel on 2M1L Media, you can you just scroll through the videos, hit the video tab and find the Stevie Ray interview. It's on there. What a thrill to 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 get to interview him, and that was I have to give a shout out right here on your show to Chrissy Cipher who made that possible because she's a friend of a friend of his, and uh, he he did it as a favor. He didn't charge me a dime. He came on and talked to us for an hour about his career, about his podcasts. He has like like four of them. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, um, he see, he seems to be addicted to podcasting. I think <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's the cool thing about getting to know Dino Santa is he's going to help me there. Uh, he told me that Larry Zabisco is just the beginning. He's going to really try to get me some other big names in the future coming on around the turnbuckle. So I can't wait. I can't wait to talk to whoever he gives me. I don't care. I don't care who it is. Whoever he gives me it would be great. Yeah, that's yeah, that's, that's, that's awesome. That's I'm awesome. really excited, excited for you guys. guys. And, and uh, I can only imagine what the prep work is for some of these legends because uh, I would want to mark out. Like, I I couldn't I I wouldn't be able to help myself. Like I I, I wanted to make sure 
that I didn't waste his time at all. I wanted to make sure that I led him to talk about the stuff I knew he was passionate about. You know, uh-huh. I did my research. You know, I had to find out that the guy's a, a huge Pittsburgh Steelers fan. Oh, and, wow. Um, yeah, and I, I, I had to do that research and, and, and uh, find out what else he likes. And, and um, I knew he had a soft spot for talking about Sherry because uh, Sherry Martell, uh, Sensational Sherry, was, you know, in Harlem Heat with him, with him and Booker T. You know, they called her Sister Sherry. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know he loves talking about her. So at some point during the interview, I mentioned her. And he talked about her for 20 minutes, you know? Um, so, I mean, he, the more, that's the thing with these interviews we do. The more the guest talks, the easier my job is, <laughs> you yeah. know? Because yeah. if I ask him one question and they give me like a one sentence answer and then they just stop talking, it's dead air. So that means I need to start talking again. <laughs> Oh, trust me, I know exactly what you're talking about. Doing the podcast with my other two co-hosts, John Kanoki and Chris Hawk. Uh, sometimes, you know, it's hard to fill in space and void. And um, doing a podcast, it, it happens. You know, you just got to, you learn, though. You learn and adapt. So you, you are able to pick up and, and uh, use conversation or questions to fill in those gaps. So you know what helped this was when I booked him, it was done through other people. Uh-huh. And I asked those people if I could talk to him before he came on, if I could talk to him privately on the phone. And he admired that. He actually admired that I wanted to actually talk to him and get that out of the way so that I wasn't nervous, so it wasn't the first time I'm ever speaking to him. Mm-hmm. He, thought that was a, he thought that was a brilliant idea on my part. and so. They gave me, they gave him my number, and Stevie Ray called on my phone. I have Stevie Ray's number, That's and awesome. at the end of the interview, you'll see me say, "Yeah, you know, I have your number." <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause, yeah. Because he said, "Is he said?" Because I said, "We got to do this again sometime, man." And he's like. Yeah, you know, well, you know how to get a hold of me, man. I'm not a hard guy to find. And I'm like, yeah, that's right. I have your number. (laughs) I don't remember the context of that conversation, but I do remember him saying, I admire what you guys are doing, which meant the world to me, hearing that out of his mouth. Um, You know, giving, giving guys a platform, giving guys a chance to tell their stories who might not ever get that chance or, you know, might, you know, help get them more exposure. Um, and he said, and so, so it's an absolute, I'm, I'm honored that I get to be on it. Like he, he was honored. Stevie Ray. All right. We're talking 10 time WCW tag team champion, <laughs> WWE hall of famer. Stevie Ray was honored to come on my show. Who the hell am I? Yeah. But he, I, whether that's true or not though, he said those words to make me feel completely at ease. So he was a complete professional about it. He was awesome. I got to talk to him for like 10 minutes on the phone. Shows you how humble he is. Uh, I can't can't say enough good... I don't know if he's ever going to hear this, but I I can't say enough good things about what he did for my show and what he did for my confidence. I have so many other questions I want to ask you, but um, we probably won't get to them all. So the one question I'll ask you right now since you're a big wrestling fan, um, we all have a Mount Rushmore. Um, recently, I think The Rock named his. Uh, who is your Mount Rushmore in pro wrestling? The route, the Mount Rushmore thing is a debate that we have all the time. Um, because it's always changing, right? Mm-hmm. There's guys that come into the business that make their mark, and you say, "Wow, like he's had this," you know, and then. It, I hate when smart marks talk about how many titles the guys realize it's a work, right? <laughs> you do realize that he, yes, yeah. he deserves, yeah. yes, they de- they deserve the title at the time for whatever reason, but it's not like that they, so I judge, I judge the Mount Rushmore of wrestling based on the career or the run that they had. A lot of guys want to, um, 
put Stone Cold Steve Austin on their Mount Rushmore, and I understand why. He was a huge draw. He was one of the best wrestlers of all time. He was the most entertaining wrestler of all time, in my opinion. But if we're narrowing it down to four guys, because like technically the Mount Rushmore has four guys, I don't even have him on my Mount Rushmore, which a lot of guys argue with me about all the time, only because Stone Cold's run was so small. His run, where he was champion, where he was like the, the guy, was only a matter of like four or five years. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where, when you talk about guys like Ric Flair, you know, Ric Flair might have not been the, the greatest wrestler of all time, uh, but a lot of people think he is. But I put him on the Mount Rushmore because his run, I mean, he wrestled in, you know, AWA, NWA, WCW, Impact, WWE. Um, everywhere he went, he made money. I mean, now he's a consultant in AEW. So, I mean, I would definitely put Ric Flair on the Mount Rushmore. I would definitely put The Undertaker there. I can see that. Also, because of the run. Yeah, because of the run. I mean, the career that he had. He was a top guy from 1990 to only a couple years ago. I mean, the guy was still main eventing WrestleManias. up until the, like the last three years, I mean, or I mean, two years ago, he main evented WrestleMania Night One, and then before that, or the year before that, he main evented with Roman Reigns when he wanted to hang it up and left his he left his uh, coat and jacket in the ring. Right. He what a run! Never be duplicated. He's going into the Hall of Fame this year. Who who do we got? We got Ric Flair. Undertaker. We got the Undertaker. I reluctantly will put Hulk Hogan on there. Mm-hmm. Only because of his impact on the business. I mean, he kind of brought... He kind of brought wrestling, you know... Like, right to your TV screen, right? I mean, it kind of exploded. WWE, and then, then he made WCW relevant. You know? And what a time that was to, yeah, as a fan, to just sit and go back and forth to watch Raw and Nitro. I remember in our house, we'd go back and forth all the time. And even as a kid, you know, like thinking back on it now, it was this cool time to uh, live through. Exactly. Uh, I had two TVs. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. I That's had, awesome. <laughs> I, had, I had two TVs in my bedroom. One had Raw on and the other one had Nitro on because I did not want to miss and I didn't want to record it and watch it later because I knew my friends would tell me what would happen. Mm-hmm. So I was watching both of them live simultaneously every damn night. It was ridiculous. But anyway, um, so we got Flair, Undertaker, Hogan. And now the fourth one is really debatable. I mean, you could put a bunch of different guys in there. Because after those three, it's like, who do you pick, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to stick. AJ Styles there because if you think about the career that AJ Styles had and I mean you could say the same thing for CM Punk mm-hmm. because what, what CM Punk became so I mean if if they can share that last spot I would do that I would put AJ Styles and CM Punk in the same category I can definitely see AJ Styles based on your argument because uh, he was in TNA for 10 years and he was at the top he was TNA's guy, and then he goes to New Japan after that, and he's like in the top main event spot there as soon as he gets over there for about three to five years or so. And then after um, New Japan, he goes right to WWE. Boom, he's right at the top in WWE. Impacted, his impact on the business has been phenomenal, no pun intended. It's a pretty good Mount Rushmore, if you ask me. I appreciate that, but I know the professor would argue with it. <laughs> I can't wait to meet the professor, you know, honestly, and I, I can't wait to have you both on and, and talk to you both and, you know, or vice versa, or just in general, you know, shoot the shit and talk about wrestling or, or talk about movies or just talk about anything in general. I think that would be super fun. Yeah, man, you're welcome anytime. You, after all, your your dad mentioned you were a wrestler you're not anymore but um that you not only you're obviously a fan of wrestling but 
but coming from that lineage and you know coming from coming from him and, and getting involved with yourself, you could talk about that experience. You could talk about anything you want. Um, I tell you one thing. I thought it was, I thought it was really, for lack of a better word, touching to me when I mentioned uh, when I when when uh, mongoose was asked. asked Yeah, that was uh, that was definitely a moment. Uh, you know, it was around my birthday, maybe on my birthday, and you know, my brother was there to watch, and my brother was about to have his first kid, and you know, me and my dad wrote uh, either my brother's name or what his kid's name was going to be on our on our tape, and um, you know, the match we laid out, we wanted it to be more like a uh, not like a psychology standpoint. We got in trouble because it wasn't psychological. You know, it wasn't like a big guy versus smaller, smaller guy. Um, we laid it out like how we thought a father and son would fight. You know, we 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 figured a father and son are gonna go at it, and and um, especially when the title's on the line. You know what I mean? Like I'm gonna go at him. I'm gonna be disrespectful. And I, I know Bud at the time who was running LVW. He didn't really. Uh, appreciate what we did and he he saw it more of like you know he wanted me to be to be fast and and him to be the strength guy and it, to have more of a psychology behind it and and I completely understand that point of view um because it, it would make sense logically right but uh the way me and my dad saw it was hey you know we're father son let's just uh go out there and be stiff and and fight but it, it was uh, it was definitely a moment because of the time frame and uh, everything that was going on around then, and, and it was uh, definitely a learning experience too. I, I can say that for sure. He said you were good, and you know, I I can't say that he was being biased there, but um, the fact that you know he has the um, perception of somebody who's actually been in the ring with you um means that you know i don't think he would just say that you know what i mean i don't think he would just say you know he's really good like, he might have like you know you might have off camera said to me you know my son my son was a really good wrestler but well you know he, he still had a lot to learn but, but no he didn't say that he said you were good and uh, me being somebody who's never seen you wrestle, I would love to see that footage because to me, it's it'd be a friend wrestling his son. But like you know, I would just like to kind of live that moment, you know, for the first time because I've never seen it. But to hear him describe it, it was what he his fifteen years as you called it before. Mm -hmm. All the guys he wrestled. Think about that. He wrestled Shane Douglas and this guy and that guy, Sabu, yeah, know, and different guys over the years, and wrestled all these freaking guys. But like when I when somebody asked him what his what his best match was or what his favorite match was, uh, he said when he wrestled you. That's pretty cool. Uh yeah. I mean, um, as a son, you know, uh, I want to say he's biased because I'm his son. And my dad's a very caring and loving father and, and uh, individual in general. And uh, so, you know, I'm like, <laughs> I want to disagree with you and be like, yeah, he's biased. But, you know, hearing a third person um, who's talked to a bunch of people say that, uh, I feel like knows the instincts of when someone's not being biased. So I, I greatly appreciate the words that you've just said. And, uh, you know, recently I have been thinking about trying to wrestle again, and there's a local wrestling promotion here in Virginia that I've wanted to see if I can get into, and um, I have other resources to be able to get into wrestling, so, you know, I, I've been thinking about doing it again, um, because I am passionate about it, so, uh, we'll see. Well, let me tell you this, Mario, if that ever does happen, and listen, that's, that's a decision that you should make, not based on anything else, but you really, truly want to do it. 
because if you don't want to do it or if there's a larger party that doesn't want to do it then there's 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 no shame in that there's no shame in that it's 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 something that you that you love and you have loved with your father and you did get involved in because you know it's kind of hard not to with him being your father mm-hmm. but like but if you never do it again it's not the end of the world because you obviously love doing a lot of other things more. And so there's nothing wrong with you not doing it. But let me tell you something, brother. (laughs) If you ever wrestle again, I want to be one of the first people to know because I want to buy a ticket to that. I will definitely let you know and you'll be one of the first people to to hear um, because you are a longtime family friend. And, you know, you um, have been very kind to me and, you know, with the resources that you have, too, um, I think it'd be really cool. So uh, I will definitely let you know, sir. And, um, it, you know, I, I, I've struggled with it. I When I was with my ex more recently, my ex-partner, uh, my, girl, my ex-girlfriend, um, I, I really didn't think about getting back into it because I was more focused on having a life with her and uh you know i i didn't want to jeopardize that in any way especially with the way you know you have to travel for wrestling and all that so you know but now that i'm single and i don't have much else going on and there's no partner to really uh care for or have a life with uh you know i have a lot of free time so when i know i will definitely let you know sir and i do have the match between me and him on dvd i don't know if he has a copy but I can give it to him or send it to him and, uh, you know, he can give it to you to watch or maybe he can hook up with you and you guys can watch it. Yeah, well, it. I'm hoping to see, I, I, he said, he mentioned he might come down to Quakertown at the next show. So I'm, I'm hoping he's there. Cause it was, listen, uh, they do it at the end of the last Saturday of every month. And so he was at the February 26th show and man, I just, I, I, I was in shock that I saw him like I hadn't seen him in, in like well over 10 years so it's like man I was so happy to see him just to see him mm-hmm. and I mean we had already we had already talked online about doing the interview so it wasn't about that it was just that um you know it was just locking it down and getting an exact date down or whatever but well we we talked about it for a long time but just seeing him again you know and just he was talking about his grandkids and all this kind of you know it was Talking about old times back at Seven Eleven and stuff like that. Trust mm-hmm. me, when those things start coming up, man, I, I I I get goosebumps because it makes me feel like a kid again. And you know, I'm 45 now. I'm a little younger than him, but but I mean, just getting to know him and talking to you today has been a thrill because um, you know, I never I never met you, I never knew you, but I knew you existed. I knew I knew that you. I knew that he had a son named Mario. I just did, I just never met you. So just getting to meet you this last hour, man, has been a, been a thrill in itself. Well, I, I agree, greatly appreciate it, sir. And, and uh, I just want to thank you again for coming on my podcast um, and talking with me about everything you do around the turnbuckle and, and especially your fandom and getting to learn uh, the backstory behind that. Uh, you know, I appreciate everything that you guys are doing over there for the indies and for a lot of guys, especially what you did for my dad. Um, if you want to check out the big Al Boski or check out uh, big Al here, um, go over to two M one L media on Facebook and or YouTube, and you can watch him and uh, the professor talk uh, about wrestling and with other wrestlers around the turnbuckle. They also do home team sports over there. You can catch Big Al on that as well, where they talk about everything going on in the NFL. And let me tell you, there's a lot of stuff going on right now with the NFL. So so be sure to check out Around the Turnbuckle, Home Team Sports, 2M1L Media, Big Al, and everything that he does. And again, I'm very grateful for you to be on the show, and I appreciate all of your words. And it was cool to finally meet you. Yeah, man. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me, Mario. Nice to meet you, brother. And thank you, the audience, for listening to this episode. Um, I know there was some some noise issues with with the fan going on. Uh, I greatly appreciate if you got to the end because because Al uh, definitely deserves the listen, uh, especially everything that he's doing 
over there at around the turnbuckle and the stuff he's doing with uh you know 3WA um you know definitely needs to be heard and and uh especially if you have been listening to Cinema 7 and you're still part of the fan base I appreciate you guys for sticking with us uh until next time uh which is next week I'll talk to you then peace out we came in and spray painted the titles we went here we no longer your idols Hollywood Hulk Hogan and outsiders through the wrestling world into a crisis so life shit was never overnight the boss that I write they deserve five mics I mean we had in this rhyming for Tyson Eric Bischoff was a tyrant the ladder he was climbing and those black and white vignettes was the best ever provided Pirate in the airwaves, never going off. Better tell billionaire Ted to break us off. Scott Hall got the cattle frog. You don't want the drama dog. Eggs Goldberg, nah, not at all. Bigger poker doom, then we laugh at y'all. NWO was the battle call. We nice with ours. No forgetting it popping. Cause life is short. And it's nothing without options. Yeah, no way out. The illest without a doubt. Opponents walk in, but they never walking out. New world order, yeah. New world order, yeah. New world order, yeah. New world order, yeah. You know who I am, but not what I'm here for Bought a ticket just to kick it, cause I heard you won a war Keep the titles with your idols, we came to burn it down Where the big boys play, huh? We don't play around Who could corrupt the mind of the world's wrestling icon? Tag a championship up with crime line Title marked up, like the subway in Harlem Got a better two-man team, gonna call them Awesome, can't beat us, join us, can't see us Pointless, stepping up, we ain't diplomatic, we destroy us Accept no substitutes unless you go into school. We were ignoring the rules way before it was cool. <laughs> Private radio, black and white, keep them acting right. It's two of us, one of you. <laughs> That's a fight. We crew deep, make headlines like Newsweek. Papa got a new beat, and it's just two. We nice with ours. No forgetting it popping. Cause life is short. And it's nothing without options. Yeah, no way out. The illest without a doubt. Opponents walk in, but they never walking out. New New world order, yeah. New world order, yeah.